0: Thanks for listening to Local SEO today. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is Jeff Hayden. He is a keynote speaker, contributor, editor of Inc. Magazine, and the author of Motivation Myth. Jeff has also ghostwritten over 60-plus nonfiction books. And please join me today, Jeff. Thanks a lot for having me. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, man. I'm excited to share. I am uh, too. I learned a lot about how you... Became who you are. So let's get right into it and uh, let people in on maybe before you started your real, I would say, career. I don't, I don't know if there was a pre-career before
1: you started doing what you do
0: now. Yes.
1: But please share with that uh, audience members. Um, I've always found that people think their stories are more fascinating than they are, so I'll try to go really brief. <laughs> um, I went to college and worked my way through college. My, my parents wanted me to go to college but couldn't afford to finance the whole thing. And so I worked in a manufacturing plant full-time while I went to school, which was great. And turned out that I really liked manufacturing. So my first job out of college was an entry-level factory floor worker. And I took it on purpose because I liked that and I thought, if I'm willing to work hard, this is a place I can work my way up. And my goal was to become a plant manager. And 17 years later, I became a plant manager, had about a thousand people working for me. That had been my goal and my dream. And then about three years after that, I thought, okay, this is no longer my goal and my dream. (laughs) And to tell you the story of how I knew, uh, one day a guy walked in my office, he started talking within about a sentence and a half. I knew everything we were gonna talk about for the next 20 minutes, but we still had to go through it because I needed to be empathetic, I needed to listen, I needed to engage, all of those things. When what I really wanted to say was, look, can you and Joe just get along and do your jobs? Because <laughs> that was the heart of it. Um, and I realized at that moment that on the, for one thing, clearly, my interest in the job had diminished. And also if that's where I was, then I probably wasn't serving the people that worked for me as well as I could be either. And so that was a problem. So I wanted to do something else and didn't know what it would be and kind of out of nowhere just decided it would be fun to write. And so for about six months to a year, I took freelance jobs on the side and I would do them at night and on weekends and things like that and get to a point where I thought, okay, I think over time I can make a living at this couldn't replace my income right away because I was doing really well. But I think there's a path. And also, I think there's a path to me getting decent at this, which, you know, those are those are two separate things that people miss out on a lot of times. They think, okay, can I make a living at this? But then can I be good at it? And they are sometimes mutually exclusive. Uh, So I took a plunge and and decided to do it. And so the lesson in that, if there is one, I have a lot of people ask me about entrepreneurship and they say, shouldn't you just take the plunge, quit your job? dive in headfirst, no plan B, that's what's going to make you successful. And I always say, no, what you should do, if you think you want to do something, if you think you want to start a business, do it at night, do it on the weekends, turn your free time into your business time and see whether one, you can be good at it and two, whether you can make money at it. And if you're not willing to do it that way, then you probably don't want it in the first place. Because if you have to quit in order to get going on something, if you have to quit your full-time job in order to get going on something, like if that's the mental hurdle you have, then you probably don't want it badly enough. And you're not going to hang in there through the hard times and the challenges and the roadblocks and all of that other stuff. So uh, that's what I did. And I just worked really, really hard to to basically get my second career going.
0: That's amazing. So did you study... um like writing in no. any ways or no <laughs> but did you have interest reading or oh yeah yeah i'd okay. always
1: read a lot okay. and i wrote things for work but okay. i had never i have no writing education no journalism background no zero of anything which was part of it and and i think that's a really key point to this <clears throat> you 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 can do a lot of things without having to have had the formal educational or experience background. But what you have to be willing to do is put in the time and effort to learn how to do whatever it is and accept the fact that you're not going to be great at it at first and you're probably not going to be paid very well at first because you're not great at it. So I also run into a lot of people that say, you know, I'm making, I don't know, pick a number, $100,000 a year at my job. So I want to go start my own business, and I want to net about 100 over there. Well, you may be worth 100 at your job, but whatever it is you're going to start, if you have no skill, experience, credibility, background, whatever, and you're just getting going, you're not worth 100. (laughs) You have to work your way up to 100. So the idea that you can just replace it is also a fallacy. So uh, I had no background, but I had interest, and that was another reason for saying, okay, I'm going to work at night and on the weekend to figure this out because I didn't know. And there is no way to know until you actually try. When you first started podcasting, you had no idea whether you would be good at it, whether people would listen, whether you would gain any traction. So you had to try and you had to figure it out and you had to learn. And I'm sure you're way better at it now than you were when you started. And five years from now, you will be tremendously better at it than you are now, if that makes sense. So the whole that whole start a business thing, I always tell people... Do it on the side. If you can't find the time, that means you don't want it badly enough. And I put find the time in air quotes because you can always find the time. It just depends on what your priorities are.
0: Exactly. And I love the fact that you're telling audience members, especially new entrepreneurs that have huge dreams, right? Um, You have to put in the hard work. You actually put in the time to either learn the skill, trade, volunteer to learn under someone else, or go work for someone else. Right. To get in to learn the actual process or learn what actually is involved in terms of why people are paying for that product or service. Right.
1: That's actually a really good point. And, And I know a lot of people that have decided, hey, I want to get into whatever this business is. And they take a part time job with someone in that field so that well, they're not getting paid a lot. They are getting paid, but they are getting paid to learn. And the primary return on it is the knowledge that they gain, not necessarily the income. The income is a you know a small a bonus, small yeah. but there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't really know. And also you get to figure out, do I really like this? Because yes. a lot of things seem really fun from the outside. And when you get inside, you realize that, okay, there's about 2% of that that's really fun, but 98% of it is like every other job out there.
0: Yeah, and, it, and business ownership is not for everyone as well, no. but it's good that at least you try it on the side or you work under someone to see if they're actually happy, right? Or if it's something that you can envision yourself doing in the future. Um, so that's exactly what I I always tell people to like mimic Look for elderly people, not elderly, but more seasoned people that have lived your life and that you want to kind of mirror and want to, you know, live through, right? Like if there are successful business owners in your expertise or um, niche or product or service that you want to get into, watch them do exactly what they do. Then eventually, once you know, you then will differentiate and mold out your path right
1: yeah. yeah there's that whole idea that that you have to reinvent the wheel in order to be successful but there are some really awesome established wheels already out there and if you're starting from zero you're much better off saying okay that works i'm going to do that and in the process of gaining skill experience expertise all that stuff i will figure out the things that i can do differently to shape that wheel so that it is hopefully better and uniquely me and all of those other things that we look for but you know, starting from scratch and just saying, "Okay, I'm going to do this differently than anyone," is probably a recipe for failure, unless you're incredibly lucky. And basing a, any strategy based solely on luck is is kind nice of strategy. Kind <laughs> of a, that's kind of a foolish thing. So, so you, you say you were working
0: at that factory job for 20 plus years. Yep. Um, how many years did you kind of freelance or side hustle before you kind of left that? 20-year career to then pursue what you're doing now? About a year. year. It was about a year. So it took you a year to decide and mind shift, mindset, because you were basically running the plant. Mm -hmm. How different of that kind of mindset did you have than trying to run your own business? Because did you already know a lot about like business ownership or what it took? Because you probably had to deal with the operations management, uh, HR, uh, all the other facets, right? Sales, marketing, accounting, bookkeeping. Um, is that why it was a lot quicker, do you feel? than No, entrepreneurs? Uh,
1: the, the big hurdle that I was trying to get past is, do I see, have I built up, enough of a base of business and enough of a confidence in my ability going forward to generate revenue and to make this continue to grow. That was a hurdle I had to get past. As far as the business background, I did have a ton, but it was very corporate. And so there's, it's, There are a lot of things that naturally lend themselves well if you come from a corporate environment to an entrepreneurial setup, because you do understand bookkeeping and you do understand HR stuff, you have all those kinds of tools. But then the flip side is all of the resources that you had come to expect and depend on and just assume existed. They don't exist. Yeah, yeah, you know you can't call it. <laughs> you know you can't call somebody because something breaks. You know there's nobody to delegate to. You know it's the old if it is to be, it's up to me. Um, and I actually liked that and found that kind of liberating. But I know a lot of people struggle with that at first because they switch over and you know, they've gone from the corner office to the bedroom office and it doesn't feel right. And they've gone to staffs versus, oh my gosh, I'm in charge of emptying my own trash. And a lot of those things that really don't matter, they get hung up on for quite a while. But I've always, because I grew up in a factory and started at the bottom and I worked my way through the levels. I was going to say that. I was used to, I was used to the idea that in the end, it doesn't matter who's doing it. It has to get done. And
0: Job (laughs) descriptions
1: only matter when you get hired. After that, your job description is we're going to get done what needs to get done. And so that part of it was really easy. And so, but for a lot of people that switch over to entrepreneurship, you do have to switch over and say, whatever it takes and whatever the job is, is what I'm going to be doing. And then probably the biggest, the biggest hurdle was I had worked in, I had done some sales support type functions, but I had never actually sold Okay. And I, every entrepreneur is selling, whether you think so or not. You have to sell, and and selling can even be just the idea of, just the concept of getting your ideas or your plans or your goals or whatever across to the people that you work with. You know, if selling is convincing someone of your point of view, then everybody sells. And so, I was uncomfortable with the sales side of it for a long time, and still am, and that is my least favorite part. If if you called me and said, hey. You know, let's do a book together. The worst part of it for me is figuring out the money part together. I hate that,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> hate it. That's why for speaking, I have an agent because mm. she deals with that, and I don't have yeah. to. I just deal with the client in terms of, hey, what's your audience? What are you looking for? Yeah. How can we make this as successful as possible for you? And I don't have to. I don't have to deal with the money part. And I've found for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, for a lot of entrepreneurs, the sales part is the biggest challenge. If they came from a corporate environment where they did not have to worry about sales.
0: Wow. So how did you, have you overcome it? Or have you been a little bit more comfortable or I know you already have an agent for your speaking, but what about the book aspect?
1: And- I have, I have an agent for my book. Uh, oh, our, book no. I've, I've got a book agent. I have a speaking agent, um, but there's a lot of other projects that's just come to me directly and I'm, I'm better at it, but I'm no less comfortable. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it's if, a- if you and you would not be able to tell, I hope that it's not my favorite thing, but I know that it's not my favorite. Thing.
0: Well, you, you distinguish it right from early days and really what you enjoy doing. Right. right? And right. a lot of people are buckets, right? They, they figure out like, what is their expertise, and they want to just continue doing that. And maybe finance and accounting isn't for everyone, right? And sales isn't for everyone or HR or hiring people like all these other buckets in terms of business ownership or entrepreneurship, you need to hold a lot of hats, right? You need to yep. figure out what your strengths are, hire people for things that you're weak at, and then determine what you bring to the table and what brings you happiness and joy because you're running the show. You got to figure out why stress over things that really doesn't need to be stressed because someone will do it way better than you enjoy the process. And yes, that the cost amount is nominal for the amount of stress that comes out of it for yourself. Right.
1: The only thing that I would say is that I think if someone is just starting their own business, I would at least force myself to do some of those things early on if for no other reason and you probably don't have unlimited resources and even a small outlay of cash is more than you want but just so that you have a sense of what's involved and you have a little bit of background in it so that when you do hire people or when you do outsource some of those things you know what you're looking for you know what a good outcome is you know and so You know, I I still do my own books because it's actually it's really easy, Um, but I have an accountant for tax purposes and things like that because that's more complicated and I think that's worth the value. So, But I do think that it's, it's good for people to at least try. So if it's an entrepreneur that has a product and needs to sell, try to sell some on your own. You figure it out. You might get, but you'll at least get better at it. You will understand it. And then if you do end up hiring a salesperson, at least you'll know, okay, this is what this looks like. And this is how this feels. And and I can better determine what success looks like because that's half the trick with outsourcing or hiring is you've got to figure out what success looks like so that you can then manage Mm -hmm. towards that.
0: Yeah. Um, About the sales aspect, like you are the biggest advocate of whatever product and service you're going to go out into market with and if you can't sell and if it you're,
1: if you're not there's a problem
0: <laughs> exactly because yeah. you yeah. you should be the biggest advocate you should be right. the most uh proud of the product that you're putting out there right so if you can't sell it you gotta no one will be able to sell it better than yourself early right. days right, right. and yep. um especially like understanding your avatar users and all that stuff like you got to figure it out and you got to figure out how to run a business, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out foundation, what sets you apart, what differentiates yourself, all that stuff. A lot of people don't even understand the basis of the business and they want to get into business right. ownership. Right? right. Um, I would say live life a little bit. Like a lot of people are <laughs> like running, running around with social posts and just running because they see an ad that they can make 10 or 20,000 a month or 50,000, a hundred thousand a month. They're chasing a dream. Right. right. And Really, who is making money there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that? You know who's making money. And it's people, not you. <laughs> it's people who are producing the content, who follows yep. that drip campaign email funnel, and then they sell you a course at the end. And the course was something that you could have just
1: absorbed on YouTube or something that's very minimal in terms of value. Um, so I, there's, a, there's an interesting point with that. Just earlier this week, Elon Musk was at... I was, was at some CEO CEO summit or something hosted by the Wall Street Journal, and he said one of the biggest problems in corporate America is there are too many MBAs running companies. Yes. And his idea was that if you're so into your spreadsheets and your models and your analysis and whatever, like where's the innovation on the product side? Where's the roll up your sleeves and get on the floor, floor in air quotes because your floor could be you know an office area, but where is that? I'm engaged with the product. I'm engaged with the people. I'm trying to make this better. I'm trying to build it that way. Um, and then a flip side to that is, you know, if you want an MBA, like I know people that will say to me, "I'm going to start a business, but I want an MBA first because I need to know more about business." And I'll say, "Well, you know, you can take all of those classes for free online. You are going to miss out on some of the connections with people and oh, some sure. of the networking yeah, and stuff. But you can take the classes if knowledge is your issue." knowledge, the the information's out there. What you don't have is you haven't started. And what you don't have is the benefit of experience from starting. And you will never get that until you start. And so, but the the MBA does not confer some magic ability upon you. um, And nor do like you were referring to somebody's course or somebody's classes or whatever else. What's the line? Somebody says, if uh, if information was all it took, we'd all be billionaires with six-pack pa- six abs. Because <laughs> the information is out there. It's out there it, sure. it is what you do with it. And the key word there is do, which you have to do. And you can't, starting is one thing, but doing as much of it as you can by yourself at first is really important because it gives you all the things that you just discussed. And it's funny because growing up, so for myself, I
0: always worked, right? And getting in and grinding and out. I was always doing sales, but from the beginning, telemarketing, outside soliciting. listening. Ooh. So I, I got better at it over the years. So from the ground to then account management, then started my company, but it was more about just going out there and doing something. But when I was doing sales, even though I was absorbing Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, all the good speakers and salespeople out there, Dan Kennedy and all that, I was really absorbing but then I I wanted to know like educators did I need an MBA do I need an executive MBA and then I went to meet those people and I was like okay they're book smart but they have no clue how hard it takes to do what I'm doing right so you know there's a big disconnect and gap there because you know first you go and meet people that actually had the MBA and then you have a coffee lunch discuss because I was in sales I'm always about like meeting real people to get to know if you actually see something in them that you want to be like right and there was nothing connecting there was a huge disconnect a gap from educators to people that are actually I feel more successful enjoying their life, right? Because <laughs> they're doers, right? So I just kept doing everything. And I, I, I didn't care about the failures that I did because I made tons of mistakes. And still sure. today, I do that. But without that, I wouldn't be here today, right? Like I wouldn't be molding my kind of journey in life, right? Sure. So um, Yeah, it, the, and the,
1: the important thing about that is that I am in no way criticizing people who have MBAs or the pursuit of it. The, my point really is that there are a variety of different paths to where you want to go. And so to look at a something you want to do and say, okay, but I can't do that because I don't have a college degree or because I don't have an MBA, that's not correct. You may want an MBA. It's different, or you may have one and then say, Hey, I want to start a business, but you can come at it from a variety of different places And there is no lack of anything that can hold you back if you're willing to work hard and be creative and and give it a shot. Even if you have no money, there are businesses you can start, you know, and it may not be the business you end up with, but it could be one that creates a platform from which you might have the resources to do something else. So my point is not that any one path is bad. It's just don't look at another path and say, oh, I can't do this because I don't have that. Because what you do have is yourself. So it's, I believe a lot of people are
0: self-destructing themselves by holding themselves back by not pursuing things. And I, I feel it's all relative so, as well. So it all depends on where and who they surround themselves with. So if you're surrounded by a lot of educators, right. And their pursuit is to get that, then you'll probably have to do that to, to get in with that crowd. Right. If you hang out with, you know, successful entrepreneurs or other people that are, you know, in trades, you'll probably be like them, right? And it's fine. And it's your career path. But if you want to choose entrepreneurship, go out and meet those type of people and right. see if they are resonating with you, if they are your type of crowd, right? And community and, you know, super fan or whatever. It's like, all that is so important. And I know Seth Golden talks about it. A
1: lot of people are like, you know, know your tribe. Right. Well, then that's a... That's a really good point because the people that are around you, you may not think so, but they are people you chose in some fashion. You either chose to have them or you chose to remain or whatever it may be. And so you can just as easily, as you said, pick up and say, okay, I really would like to be an entrepreneur, but everybody I know has a a corporate job. So I don't have to be, I don't have to not be friends with them anymore, but I do need to meet some people who do the thing that I want to do because- not only does some of it rub off on you, but it also is kind of motivating because you will soon realize that they don't have anything that you don't have. So you won't have to look at that group and say, oh, wow, but I could never be that. Once you get inside, you realize that, okay, everybody's kind of the same. The the only difference is the successful ones have worked really hard at whatever that is to get good at it.
0: And I I feel the biggest uh, reason we're in the position we're in today is uh, we we're brought up in a Western society or culture. And I feel a lot of people who are making excuses that are living in Canada, US, UK, Australia, or something, as opposed to Africa or Asia. Like if you fly there and you go travel and really see how they live, you'll understand their barriers. Like survival is survival, like Mm -hmm. shelter and food. (laughs) But for us, it's like, we have technology, we have stuff resources, knowledge, equipment, people, access to information, they are really just surviving. Right. And, and so it's all relative, right? So, um, you know, for me, it's like, interesting, because I I grew up, my, my parents left the Vietnam War. And for me to then live in Canada was the biggest blessing of all. And I feel so ultra grateful. And that's why I'm in a path to really help others and inspire others to do what I'm doing. And I fly to Asia a lot to really just help wherever I can, right? Like these things, unless you live it and see it, it's hard to imagine visualizing in your bubble and circle.
1: Yep. And then the flip side of that is just as true um, because i I'm lucky enough that over time I've gotten to talk to a lot of incredibly successful people and th- they're not any different than we are either. They have just put in the time and effort in order to be really, really good at one thing, but they still have quirks and foibles and they're still just as messy as the rest of us. There's nothing special, quote unquote, about them. They've just worked really hard to get to where they are. So the people on the downside of Advantage, they're not any different from us. They're just limited by being on the downside of advantage in their area. The people that are way more successful, they don't have anything special either. They've just worked really hard to use what they do have in order to get to the place that they wish to be. So yeah. it's when you think of it that way, it's it's actually really empowering because it does mean that it's kind of up to you. And the biggest part of that is at first though, you have to define what success means to you. Yes. And so if you know what success is, then you can set out to craft a life that actually gets you to that place. But if you're chasing the wrong definition for you, which a lot of people do, then you get there and it feels empty. And it's no wonder because that's not really where you want to go anyway. And and it's funny
0: because I know you've lived life a little bit longer and myself yes, included. Yes, I am older. <laughs> myself <laughs> included. Um, the journey changes, right? So when you're in your Absolutely. younger teenagers, twenties, thirties, when you have children, if you have children to then, you know, Older, like, past your whatever. It's more like you gotta pave your path and you gotta re, you know, visit your successes, revisit yep. your goals and mission and values, and yep. all all that has to be looked at on a regular basis. And people forget that they're always chasing that one thing. And what if you never achieve it,
1: right? Um, and so, the other yeah. thing is, and this is really important, I think. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no. Um, you you can it does change, and the cool thing is that as it changes you didn't waste any of the time you were spending on something else that was important to you or that seemed like more of the focus. It's not like you look back and go, Oh my gosh, I blew 20 years on that because now this is important to me because all the stuff you did then creates that foundation that allows you to be better at pursuing whatever your new goal of success might be. Like I spent 20 years wanting to be a leader and then one day woke up and thought, you know, I just want to lead me. Yeah. My measurement of success was how many people do I get to lead? Because that showed how great of a leader you are, you know, bigger plant meant I must be better. And now I just want to lead me. And, but all the stuff that I learned and I didn't lose it. It wasn't a waste of time. It took me to where I am now, so which it's I know built- is a cliche, but that yeah. is how it works.
0: Yeah. It's building blocks. And then you get to a point where it's mental clarity, right? You have a better idea of where you want to lead and, you know, that path of whatever that life you've always wanted will become better, more clear, more present, right? Um, but it's hard for a lot of people to imagine, right? Uh, they gotta do something and that's the biggest challenge for a lot of people.
1: Well, and, the, and another challenge is that you, have, you assume that to get started on something different, that it almost has to be guaranteed that you'll get there or else what's the point of starting? But there is no guarantee no. and there, there is no way to predict other than that, if you don't try, you can't. That's the only guarantee that you have. Um, but I know a lot of people that say, well, yeah, I would try that if I knew it would work out.
0: Of course, well, you everyone can, would. You,
1: yeah, you, <laughs> you can't know it would work out. So, But you can know that if you don't try, you won't have a shot at it. And you can know that if you don't try, even if it doesn't work out, that you will have gained some things that you would not have gained, even if they're just personal, um, from the effort.
0: And. And if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah, exactly. So it's great. So, if you don't mind um, this question, I want to ask you like, did you have like mentors or coaches along the way um, from that pivot or during this entrepreneurial
1: journey of yours? Probably the, this will sound, I don't know how this will sound. Um, When I was working in corporate jobs, I, I worked in a company that was, um, you could advance if you were talented, but it was very competitive. And so the idea that people would advise or guide or mentor you—it just uh, wasn't. It just wasn't. It was cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was, but it, and not in a terrible way. Like it wasn't a backstabby cutthroat. It was just like a hey, if you want to figure that out, you can figure it out yourself. Because I'm busy. <laughs> no on yeah. yeah, and and that's fine. Um, and it actually worked well, because it did teach me that if it is to be, it's up to me. And that's okay. Yep. Um, as far as when I switched over, probably the biggest mentor coach, whatever you want to call it is, is actually been my wife. Because um, she kind of nudged me and pushed me to get started. And then she actually found me my first couple of projects. Oh, wow. um, she kept nudging me into things and saying, she'd come home and say, Hey, uh, I got your job writing this. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, so she was very much on the encouraging side. Um, but what I do is kind of a solitary profession in a way. So I think of coaches or mentors, if you want to put it, that is just, I try to read as much as I can. And I try to pick out things that I like, or that resonate with me or that look good. And you don't borrow their ideas, but you can borrow style and format and, and the way that people do things. Um, that's probably a big one. Now to answer the other side of the question, as far as coaches, if there's something that I want to do that I've never done, that I think will be really hard, then I'm all about a coach, but it's probably different than people might think. So, uh, I decided that I, I wanted to get in better shape and I got into cycling or I wanted to get into cycling. And so I, instead of just saying, I want to get in better shape, which is a nebulous goal that means nothing. I decided there was this Grand Fondo I wanted to ride there. Grand Fondo is like a mass participation cycling event. It was a hundred miles and four mountains and it was way over my head. Um, but I decided to want to do it. And I happened to know a guy that's a professional cyclist. And I said, I want to do this. I have four months. If you were me, what would you do? And he said, first thing he said was I'd quit. Um, but then then he, he laid out a program for me and it was really, really hard, but, He told me what I needed to hear and needed to do, not what I wanted to hear. um, And it worked. And so I think I'm really big on if there's something hard that you want to do, find someone who has done it, find someone who will tell you the unvarnished truth, who won't sugarcoat it, and who will just say, okay, if you want to do that, here's what you need to do. Because that's what you need to hear. If you're going to put in the effort, you would like as great a possible a guarantee that you're going to succeed. As you can, I don't want to spend six months doing what I think would work and then have it fail. I'd rather spend six months doing something that you know will work because you have done it because then I have a better chance of succeeding. So I've that's a big one for me. So I call coaches people who have actually done what you want to do and are willing to tell you the truth about what you need to do in order to get there.
0: That's amazing definition because a lot of people are afraid to either acknowledge if they need a coach or a mentor. And so they're struggling and going in circles, trying to figure it out. And that's where the stress comes in. That's where everything unravels. And that's why there's such a high uh, failure rate for entrepreneurships, right?
1: And I think the other thing to distinguish is sometimes people confuse mentor with someone who will motivate them. And if you need someone that's going to motivate you, you probably should not be doing it in the first place. So what you want a mentor to be is a person who you can say to, hey, I've done X and Y and Z and it's not really working. What do you think I should do instead? You want actual practical advice from your mentor. If you're looking for encouragement, if you're looking for emotional support, if you're looking for all those things, you may find them, but that's a sign that you're probably not doing something that you really want to do anyway. So if you're picking a mentor, find someone that will give you the practical and you are much more likely to find a mentor that way because nobody wants to sit there and pick up your spirits when you're down. That's, that's not very exciting. But if you called me and said, Hey, I'm working on my book and I've got a problem with the transition from here to here. And you know, what do you think? Well, that's, that's real world, practical nuts and bolts advice. And that's easy that's actually fun and it's flattering to the person you ask because what you're saying is you know better than me you're really good at what you do and everybody likes to hear that even if it's <laughs> even if it's not explicit so that's the thing about mentors is don't don't try to find someone who's going to be your emotional support buddy that that should be your significant other or something but find someone who will just tell you the unvarnished truth and who will tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear and they're, they are much more likely to want to help.
0: Yeah. I love that. So I know I just have a couple other questions. I want to ask you, um, we, what you're doing today versus, you know, 10, 20 years ago, are you in a good space? Like, are you in a good headspace yes. where you want to be? Yes. And do you <laughs> see yourself keep like still doing it for the next 10, 20 years? Like, yes. okay. Because yes. that's the biggest challenge. A lot of people don't know where they want to, be right uh and what does that life look like in terms of that journey right and they gotta figure it out they gotta make mistakes and see what they
1: enjoy and you know for me it sounds like you've figured it out right well not perfectly but and i didn't know that when i first started writing i did not know where i was going to end up i just knew that i wanted to try and that i was going to trust that i could find my way and if I couldn't find my way that I would switch to something else. But the reason I answered yes so quickly is because over time with some success and with some expertise and, and with the things that come some of the rewards of working hard. And I don't mean rewards monetarily necessarily, but just in terms of how you can craft what your career looks like. I've been able to incorporate some of my personal interests into my professional life. So Mm. I like to learn about, things that I'm interested in. And so oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, but there are plenty of times when I've gotten access to either people or companies or sports or whatever it might be that I'm interested in and that they'll let me behind the scenes and, and let me be part of because, you know, for them, it's like, I'll write about it. <laughs> I'll talk about them. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a give and take relationship there, but I get to explore things and do it professionally that I would do personally for fun. So you know, like I've, I've embedded with race car teams before and I've, I've gone to factories and spent a lot of time and I've followed people around and I've gotten to do a lot of really cool stuff that I was interested in and that also helped me professionally and that was part of my business. And so that's why I answered that way is because I've, I've found ways to kind of blend that personal and professional to where they support each other. Um, and that's what we're all looking for. Now I tell that to people sometimes and they say, well, that's fine for you. But I work for somebody else and I don't have that opportunity. And to that, I say, BS. I'll figure it out. Well, no, I, I, but it's not true because like one person, it was recently we had this conversation. I said, well, what, what would me be personally meaningful to you? And she said, well, I, I wish I was in a position to, you know, help more people and make a difference in their lives. And I'd say, well, how many people do you work with? She's like, well, we've got about 150 Since you got 150 people you work with, and you can't look around and see a few people that might need a a little help, a little boost, a little pat on the back, a little mentoring, a little whatever it may be that you can make a difference in their lives and feel good about it. And that would also be part of your job. Because if you're in a company, it is part of your job to be a good teammate and to help lead people, whether formally or informally. And she's like, Well, yeah, I never really thought about it that way. (laughs) So take a step back and say, what what means something to me? What makes me feel good? And then say, okay, within what I do, how can I express that so that there is a little bit of that tie-in so that I feel good about it? As opposed to saying, I need to find the perfect job that allows me to be me because that doesn't exist, but you can make it a much closer job that allows you to be you if you try hard to do that.
0: Yeah, and just having a a chat with someone that's outside of your circle or, you know, because you're in the job, in the field so deep that you're blinded sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So you need a a fresh perspective and really just talking outside of even your surrounding, I would say, right? Um, Gives you fresh ideas, gives you another set of eyes, right, on it. So I, I love the fact that at least you're opening
1: it up so that they understand and become more aware. Um, yeah, you can't always change your job, but you can approach, you can change to some degree how you approach your job. And there is more flexibility within jobs to do certain things than you think, especially if you take a step back and say, okay, I wanna do this. How would that also benefit my company? How can I find a way that it works on both levels? and There are tons of ways to do that. You just have to be creative about it. And you have to decide how to make that happen as opposed to waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? I think it'd be really great because that doesn't happen. Nobody, people don't have enough time for that. You're in charge of you. So be in charge of you.
0: But a lot of people are not entrepreneurs and business owners. We don't, we think differently than the average employee. And that's why they're working for us, (laughs) right? Uh, So- um, That is true. it, it's very interesting uh, where, you know, a lot of business owners are stuck as well, right? Um, because they don't even know where to pivot or how hard it takes it is to really get started. Um, in your situation, when did you find out, like, when did you get into good groove to know that like, you wake up, you're happy, you're gung-ho, you're gonna really enjoy what your day looks like? Because early days even when i started i was working 14 16 hours trying to figure things out right but then i started hiring and i figured out i hated certain tasks and delegating better and but for yourself was there a moment like after a couple years that you kind of realized like this is it i love it i you know
1: there are, there are two stages to that the the answer to your first the, the main question is it probably took 4 or 5 years But what I did do early on and which helped a ton is if you're on what you perceive to be this long journey to get to this much better place, if you focus strictly on that end point, it's really depressing because you are so far away and the distance between here and there seems insurmountable. So I would break down each day into, because I I got to a point where I was like you, I was working 12, 14 hours a day sometimes because I, You know, if, if your job, if your revenue is based on accepting work, (laughs) you take all the work you can get, (laughs) even if you can't figure out how to get it done, um, because you never know where the next one is. So I would just break each day down and say, okay, I need to do this and this and this and this, and these are my milestones for the day instead of six months or a year or whatever it would be. And then as you knock those off and as you finish a day and you've gotten done what you set out to do, that feels good in itself. And it's not that long-term thing. It's just, all right, today I had a good day because I did the things that I set out to do. And if you didn't get them all done, then you could look at it and say, okay, what happened? Where'd I fall short? What did I miss? What can I tweak? What can I do differently? But if you do that on a daily basis and set it out that way and just think about the day, then you can at least be on a good place at the end of every day or at the end of many days, say. And then as you accumulate those, then over time, you get closer to that bigger thing that we talked about where you're like, you know what, this is getting to a really good place and I've made progress and I can look back instead of looking forward to where you want to go, I can look back and say, wow, I've actually come a long way. <laughs> this is a lot better than it used to be. And when you get to that point, even if you still have a long way to go, it's a lot more motivating and exciting because you know, okay, if I just keep my head down and I keep doing the things I need to do every day, I'm going to get to a really cool place. So it takes a long time sometimes to get to that kind of bigger dream state. But if you set it out to be, this is my day, then you can at least feel good about every day, which is really what we all want anyway. You just want to finish the day. You just want to finish the day feeling like, you know what, I might've worked hard, but I got some stuff done and I feel good about that. And I feel good about myself. Yeah. So
0: right at the end, you're talking about yourself. Self gratification, or you know, being grateful for what you have.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, What do you do? Do you have a routine? Do you have anything that really allows you to be happy in terms of like success, whatever success looks like for you?
1: Um, hmm, how do I say this? Um, have you ever heard of let's say you're in Canada, I don't know. Have you heard of the show Ridiculousness on MTV? The guy does, it's Rob Durdek and he does videos where people do stupid stuff and they yeah. make fun of it. Um, anyway, he owns a bunch of different companies and he owns a, a, a tech startup incubator and he's an incredibly successful guy who does this really silly TV show too. Uh, but it's all part of his package. And I asked him one time what success looks like to him. And he says, success is when I know I'm on a path to mastery, whatever whatever mastery might be. And so kind of for me, it's if I've chosen to do something different or new or or whatever it is, if I feel like I'm on the path, then that feels like success to me because there is no grand success. There yeah. is no true finish line. Yeah. But if, if you're on the path and you feel like, all right, I'm, I'm still making forward steps, then that feels successful to me. And then the other part of it is and I'm old enough I guess to have the perspective now is I have finally come to what my what I feel like feels good to me and feels mm-hmm. successful to me and I don't have as many of those external markers of well this is what success looks like for other people so that's what it needs to be for me too. Yeah. Um, I don't really have those and so stripping away some of those expectations that weren't really relevant that makes a huge difference too. And it doesn't mean that you don't have expectations. It just means that you've narrowed it down to the two or three things that matter most to you. And if you can focus on those and accomplish those, then why wouldn't you be happy? You don't need to be 10 things. You just need to be two or three. And I love the fact
0: that you're self-realizing what's important to you. And that's the most important thing. A lot of people are always chasing other people's dreams and aspirations because they're following others and they see glossy images on magazines and social posts they're always wanting things but they gotta you know internalize and figure out like where are they today and where do you want to be and control that take ownership of it make things happen right pursue your own dreams and people are always trying to pursue other people's dreams, right? And chasing things that they don't even know what they're chasing right. and why, how long it takes and what actually, and no one really understands what it takes to become an, a business owner entrepreneur too. Cause they see these great nice right. images or whatever and they don't remember how long it took, maybe 20 <laughs> years, 30 yep. years, yep. especially athletes or even these actors, right? Or established authors or whatever. Those many years of failures. Yep. I mean, all the grudging and you know, grit and all the the hard troubled times, like no one sees it, but they see right. them epically. Wow, you're a business owner, you're great. Look at Elon Musk, look at all these people that Bill Gates, like all these people that were <laughs> ultra successful. Well, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, they were like nobody's like me yep. and you. Like yep. no,
1: everyone starts somewhere. Yes. And oh, you just- I, do have, I do have an answer though to your gratitude or your, like your gratitude kind of question. Yes. One of the things that I, here's, a, here's an actual tactical thing people can do or that it works for me. I found that if I, and what I do every week, I try to find five people, whatever it may be that I can congratulate for something. So if I read a book yeah. and I really liked it, I send the person a note. If I saw a show or something like I really liked it, I send the producer or a director or somebody, I send them a note. I try whatever it is. If I, bought a product and I really like it, I'll send. It. So I, I try every week to find five people that I don't know and that I'll never interact with again and just say, Hey, that was awesome. You know, that was really cool. That was whatever it is. And what's funny about that, as you do that, you quit comparing yourself to what other people may be doing or achieving or whatever. It's really strange because I'm, I'm almost saying, Hey, you're better than me. Cause you know, you did so-and-so but it actually has the reverse because by telling people you did really well at that, it almost lets you let go of the competition side. And, and you can just kind of be happy that you said something nice to somebody. So that made from a comparative success point of view, that made a huge difference for me. And plus it's fun. And everybody likes to be told that they've done something well. And I always do it sincerely. I don't make it up. Um, so but that from a tactical point of view that has worked really really well for me and it it almost lets you accept who you are better when you're willing to compliment people for who they are.
0: Yeah, I've been doing that for the last couple of years. Where not just books or you know things that I subscribe to, but like people that actually made an impact in my life, and just slowly, just dripping, dropping them a message or personalized mm-hmm. card, thanking them. Even though, and that's least expected, right? They, oh, yeah. they appreciate more than ever, and they, you know, it makes them feel good that they took part in my journey, right? Mm-hmm. So for me even like a phone call or a text message or a coffee or lunch or whatever it is, just try to be good. Right. And that's the whole point about living though. Right. Like the more people that impacted your life, you should pay it forward and try to help people that are maybe a little bit, you know, junior or people that want to aspire to become where you are. And then the ones that are even like higher up in the pole, it's more like look up to them and, be grateful for whatever they produce and thank them, right? Because you see a lot of value in what they produce and
1: they're an expert. What's funny about that is a couple of years ago, I did this experiment where I decided for a day and I wrote about it um, that I would not only compliment someone like like an employee or whatever I ran into for what they did, but I would find their supervisor and say, hey, wow, this person did a really good job. And it was really interesting because the people, like say if I'm at the grocery store and the clerk was really friendly and engaging and I, and I you know, said, hey, it was really nice to talk to you and thanks for being so whatever. Um, they were happy, but then I would try to find the supervisor and as soon as I would find them and I would say, hey, I wanted to say something about so-and-so, they would immediately get defensive and oh my gosh, what's this all about? And it was like, they would almost not even listen to me say, I just wanted to tell you how great so-and-so was because they were waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I thought, wow, is it, is it that bad that no one ever goes to someone and says, hey, your employee did a great job? Um, so that's that's a, a secondary part of what you just described. You know, whenever you can, if you tell a boss that someone did well, not only will it shock them, <laughs> but then it goes a long way towards the employee too. But I think I did, I think I had eight or nine different instances and only one time did the supervisor actually not look like I was about to register some huge complaint? <laughs> it was it, the strangest thing. But it's, it's
0: so true because people who complain or the ones that actually address things are usually a complaint and yes. you can see it online, right? Oh, like yeah. people are oh. always negative yep. in terms of reviews. And I was actually working at yellow pages. So I was doing the sales and every one it, well, it takes 10 positives to mitigate one negative review. And therefore, and that one negative is magnified 20 folds, because they're going to tell everyone they know, right? So the the challenge for business owners, and as you know, as a local business owner and entrepreneur, it's challenging to do everything right all the time, right? And you have to be in your A game all the time. So for them, they're doing their best. But that one bad interaction, it could have been a bad
1: day, it could have been whatever it is, it could be unrealistic expectations where you never set out to, to satisfy a need that the person says that they have. <laughs> and what do you do with that?
0: And these people will never be happy. Some of these people go out there, you know, disgruntled already, and it's just a bad day and they're going to yep. be negative to everyone they confront. Right. Yep. So it's just hard. I mean, this whole industry and this whole world, I mean, I say, try to be grateful. I've been watching, um, you know, I think it was uh, some diary. Uh, It was all about like gratitude uh, right now on a Netflix show. And I was like, this is amazing. This guy set out to see if they can have free food and living. Every day, right? (laughs) And it's basically the heart, and it's really just to see if he can survive, right? So I, I just bought his book because I've been watching the session. I'll give you the the link. Yeah, send that to me. It's more about like just being grateful and understanding where you're at and how other people live. Who cares about comparing with them? But do good, be happy, enjoy everyone's company.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds of studies that show that if you different experiments that people have run that like if You spend five minutes at the end of the day, just writing down three or four things that you were grateful for that the increase in overall happiness within a few weeks goes up hugely just because of nothing else you reminded yourself that you know what, I do have some really cool stuff like you were talking about with traveling if you go to places where people are on the downside of advantage it's really hard to feel bad about the fact that your Amazon Prime shipment was a day late. <laughs> you know? It's like that's, the that's not quite as big of a deal, is it?
0: Exactly. Or they don't even have power for 48 mm-hmm. hours because of a typhoon that hit, right? Yep.
1: And my package didn't arrive on time. Ooh.
0: <laughs> yep. And then they, you know, they storm in bat- write a bad review or yep. whatever. Right? Yep. So, uh, last couple questions I just want to ask you. Um, what drives you today? What what's the really pr- the pursuit of happiness for you right now? What's your passion or purpose? Uh,
1: I like to do, this will sound really cheesy, um, but I like to do interesting work. I like to be able to work on things that interest me and that fulfill me. And that, like, I feel like I maybe make some, some amount of difference somewhere to someone, or if nothing else, the process of doing it made a difference to me.
0: So finding enjoyment in just anything that you Mm -hmm. are doing and it's okay to not be pursuing, I guess, for monetary or
1: status or, you know, chasing, right? What's funny about that is that the more I focused on how can I do things that are meaningful to me and that are interesting and that hopefully are beneficial to other people, the more successful on the other side I have become. So it's like a, there's a friend of mine that started HubSpot, the the CRM company, Darmesh Shaw, and he says, you know, if you're a business owner, your goal isn't to make a million dollars. Your goal is to satisfy a million people, and if you do that, then the money is there. Yeah, and
0: so, it, it, it becomes more of a giving environment, right? So I right. love the Adam Grant's give take. It was yep. more like what really resonates is if you're out there providing a product service and you're out there giving it all to really help others achieve whatever satisfaction you're in it for all the right reasons right like you're not trying to self-fulfill your whatever status symbol or monetary because all that will eventually come Mm -hmm. if you're doing the right thing so i love that
1: yeah adam Um, and adam is as nice a guy in person And in real, in the real world, as he appears to be in books and everything else, Adam's a good guy. I've known him. Oh my God! I knew I knew him before Give and Take came out, Um, and he's the same guy he was then. I should have a bunch of podcasts. He's just, you know, much more notable. (laughs) Well,
0: he. I've been giving. I've been buying a lot of books and giving that one out because it really resonates with me. You know how there's books that you really, really resonate with. That's one of them I always talk about on the podcast, even though I read a ton. It's more like what resonates with me,
1: right? He has a, he has a book coming out in January. Oh, okay. He has a new one. Man, it seems like you know a lot of good authors too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so in terms of pillars in life, right? Um, what are your focuses now? Um, is it still business? Is it community? Is it lifestyle? Is it contribution, um, health? Where are you at in
1: terms of the totem pole of light? Wow, you know that's an interesting question because depending on how you answer, you can you can come across either really um, what's the word like trying to be you know Mother Teresa, or you can <laughs> or you can come across as you know Gordon Gecko on Wall Street. <laughs> what's important? No, I know. I no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad question. It's just kind of funny. Um, I'm sure people shape it. Um, Let's see. Family matters, obviously. Um, Those—that's kind of a given. And if it's not, um, the business side, I'm—I'm I'm still very interested in because that's how I make my living, and that's how I do the things that I do. Um, the health part—I—I enjoy fitness stuff a lot, um, and I—I—I I, I like trying to hold time at bay <laughs> as best yes. I can. Um, I also think there's something you gain from um, especially endurance things. I think it's good for you mentally. I think it cleans you out mentally. Um, I also think it, it exercises a muscle that is important to everyone. And it's the ability to just sit there and do the work and suffer a little bit. And I don't mean suffer in a terrible way, but you know, the, okay, this is not comfortable and it's not fun, but I'm going to do it because there is a greater purpose in mind. I think that's a, I think that's a muscle that you can exercise and you can grow. Um, and then I, I just like the idea of continuing to be able to blend my personal interests with my professional life and have it not be work life with mm. that little height with the like dash in between, but it's just life, That's
0: which is amazing. what we're all looking for. It's happiness, right? If, it's... if you
1: can get away from work-life balance and just have it be life, then I would think that that is as good a definition of success as you're going to come up with.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're definitely living. So I'm not Um, always, I'm
1: not all the way there all the time, but that's the, that's the goal. That's the
0: journey, right? Like there's going to be highs and lows. And as an entrepreneur, it's never going to be that incline, right? There's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys.
1: And it's never as good as you want it to be. And it's never as bad as it could be. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And if you can stay within the lines and keep trending in the right direction, then you're doing really well.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. This has been so fun. Um, I've had a great time getting to know you. Um, Can, can you share maybe your website or if people want to reach out to you?
1: Um, I write for Inc magazine. It's Inc.com. And if you go there and search me, you'll find eight zillion things that I've written. (laughs) Um, I don't really do much on social media other than LinkedIn. Um, And so if you, and I actually do engage with people there, sometimes it takes me a little while because I get a lot of stuff. Um, but I, I do connect with people and do engage with people and, um, and actually enjoy that. So um, those are two places.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. It was my pleasure to have you on as a guest. And I look forward to getting to know you offline.
1: Oh, thanks. Thank and and I, I appreciate it because you were great. Thank you. Thank you. For-
0: Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO today and tune in to our next episode.